today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Cash and Carry Kitchens. At the heart of Irish homes for over 40 years. Cashandcarrykitchens.ie Email todaycb at rte.ie and Clare-based GP Dr Maura Finn is with us and today we're discussing travel, health and vaccinations and if you've any questions for more about heading off on holidays and how to protect your health do text us 51551. Good morning Maura. Good morning Claire. how well, are you? I'm very well and I'm very Good. envious of people who might be <laughs> travelling <laughs> off to far away climbs <laughs> but I suppose it is the time of year when a lot of people are thinking about what they might do uh, on the summer holidays and looking forward to heading away and we're talking about people today really who have specific health concerns and when they need to let the doctor know that you're planning to travel, what's the best advice on that? How far ahead should you be thinking about this? Well, if you have specific health concerns, as in you have an underlying illness, obviously you should be kind of in contact with your doctor on an ongoing basis. And if you're traveling anywhere, be it to Dublin, to London, you know, regardless of any kind of like travel um, vaccinations or anything you needed, always make sure you have up to date prescriptions, you have uh, what you need with you. And if you're unwell, that you'd seek advice while you're away. But generally what we're kind of, you know, talking about is, is if you're going to somewhere that actually needs, uh, you need more than your normal routine medical um, care. And that would be places that would actually need travel vaccinations or places where you're going to that maybe you would be exposed to maybe water that mightn't be so sanitary, maybe the food might be a little bit questionable in some places or you've been exposed to mosquitoes which is probably the biggest threat in most places when you're where you're traveling um to kind of more temperate climates so you would recommend getting in touch how far before that trip at least eight weeks, actually. It sounds like a long time, but you, you really should because if there's travel vaccinations needed, sometimes there's more than one that's needed. You need to be kind of given advice about what is needed. There's a cost implication and you may need time to kind of manage that. Um, so we usually say eight weeks before. Now, if you if, if it's a, a, a trip that kind of has come up unexpectedly, you should tra- go into your, your GP or travel vaccination centre anyway and see what's needed because mo- malaria prophylaxis Access, for instance, can be given, um, you know, you, you, some of them you can start them only a day or two in advance of a trip. Some of them you need about a week before the trip. But, you know, the vaccines are very, very important in some places. And there are certain areas that you go to that it's mandatory. It's a legal requirement that you have certain vaccinations before you can enter the country. So you may actually find that you're on in an airport about to board a plane and you just can't go. So it's really important that you do a lot of research around this before you go and try to attend your GP at least eight weeks in advance. Now, even if you're not travelling very far, mosquitoes can plague some people and Mm. then in other cases they can be an extremely dangerous threat. So what do people need to do? Well, in every situation, I mean, what you should do is try and protect yourself against being bitten in the first place. So that, that's easier said than done, of course. You know, we, we, you know, some people are very vulnerable to being bitten um, and, you know, wearing long sleeves, long trousers, um, especially at dawn and dusk are really important. And at night time, um, make sure you're covered as much as you possibly can using an insect repellent. In certain areas, there's mosquito nets that you would sleep under or insect repellent nets as well. Um, And if you're going to an area where diseases like malaria, dengue, um, some of these mosquito-borne diseases, Zika virus, people will remember that was a big thing a few years ago, um, make sure that you use prophylaxis 
um, for those specific illnesses or be very, very careful around the advice that you'd be taking around those specific illnesses afterwards. Um, malaria prophylaxis. Thankfully, there isn't an, a malaria vaccine, but it's not widely available. It's it is been brought into kind of countries where malaria is endemic, thankfully. Um, but it, we still use malaria oral prophylaxis most commonly. Um, but and it changes depending on the area you go to. And some areas are very resistant to um, some forms of the malaria prophylaxis. So it, that advice changes constantly. So it's something that you need to, even if you had one thing several years ago when you went to South Africa, if you're going to Southeast Asia this time, it may be completely different advice you'll need. Mm-hmm. So that's very important that you ch- you check out where you're going, what's the purpose of your trip, what sort of um, activities you're going to be doing on the trip. All of these things matter when it comes to how you manage yourself when you're abroad. Okay, we're going to get to questions in a moment, but in terms of avoiding being bitten, there's not much else you can do apart from the long sleeve trousers and the shirts and the insect repellent, which are effective sometimes, I would say. Mm, yeah, I know. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm very vulnerable to them. They love me. <laughs> so I, I'm I don't the same. Know. <laughs> like it's just, and it's such a plague, isn't it? Because you're at it risk really then is. of them getting infected if you react badly to them. Exactly. So actually what I would often, I would often bring um, a kind of an antiseptic cream or um, there's a thing you can get as a prescription called Fusibet, which is an antibiotic with a little bit of steroid in it. It's great if you put it on early, it'll actually stop them getting infected and getting too inflamed. But sure, often we don't think of it in time. Um, but they can get very infected and sometimes even cause a cellulitis, which could make you very unwell. So, you know, even though we, we primarily kind of worry about the implications of an infection, like malaria you'd get from a mosquito bite the, the mosquito bites themselves are a bit of a misery as well so yeah. um, you do everything you can bring bring some stuff with you it's always re- useful to do that bring bringing little um a little first aid kit with you when you're going somewhere that you feel like you might be a little bit more vulnerable or not being able to access a pharmacy easily. Yeah, that's really good advice, uh, all of the basics. Now let's come to some questions. So this listener would like to know, if is there a modern anti-malaria vaccine or tablet that avoids the unpleasant side effects of some traditional tablets, please? That's from Michael. Well, there is the new vaccine, but as far as I know, it's not really been given in, in, in places here or in, in Europe at the moment. But what we normally use, Malarone is probably the more modern one, which is a only has to be taken a day or two in advance and only has to be taken seven days after you come back. Because these are things people forget about with their trip, that you need a little bit of prophylaxis after you've come home as well. Um, and it's well tolerated usually. Doxycycline is well tolerated. It's the cheapest of them as well, but it, it has to be taken daily. There is a weekly one, but it was associated if people have kind of a history of any kind of like mental health issues, it can be um, a little bit tricky. Um, so they're, they're bringing out newer versions all the time. Um, some of them can cause tummy upset. Some of them can be ta- are safe in pregnancy. Some are not. You know, it depends on your own particular situation. And it's, again, you see, this is something that has to be discussed with your doctor. And in case there's some interaction with other medication you're on as well. Mm-hmm. So um, so it, it's quite it's quite an in-depth con- consultation usually about travel, even though people might think it's just oh, I'm off to India. <laughs> what do I need? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you it, need there, to there discuss could be a lot it. in it. Yeah, exactly. All right, this one is about gap year students. And the question is, other than being up to date with their MMR and childhood vaccines, are there any vaccines you would recommend students get before travelling to New Zealand or Australia for the summer, even though they're not mandatory? They're not sure yet where they're going to stop off en route, but they might visit some countries in Southeast Asia. 
Ah, well, yeah. So for Australia, New Zealand themselves, there isn't any other mandatory vaccinations needed. And we'd kind of consider them to be the exact same as our childhood vaccination programme and the boosters therein, you know, so including MMR, because we've been speaking about the measles rise um, recently, and that's a global thing. Um, Meningococcal vaccines would be really useful to have too, because they're given here and we would, you know, it's the same kind of illnesses that you'd be exposed to. Seasonal vaccines are really important. So if um, somebody is going Coming into the winter season, we'd advise flu vaccines and COVID vaccines. So, you you know, you're, you're stocked up as you possibly can be. But for somebody who's travelling to that side and they may be stopping off and doing their kind of three or four weeks backpacking around Southeast Asia, that's a completely different thing. And they will need specific cover for when they're in Southeast Asia. And that would involve maybe something a little bit more than the routine vaccine. So you were talking about maybe typhoid, hepatitis A, hepatitis B, if they're going to be involved in any kind of at-risk things, you know, sexual activity or working in an environment where they may be exposed to blood, um, rabies possibly as well. But, you know, this that this involves, this is because of where they may stop at and what kind of trip they may be taking on the journey to Australia, New Zealand, not because of New Zealand and Australia okay, themselves. OK, but if they are planning to do that stop, you're saying have a consultation and just check what you what you might need. Better yeah, be safe yeah. than sorry in that instance. It's much better to do that. And and then malaria as well would actually come into question in, in for Southeast Asia as well. So, you know, they may need to have... Um, treatment that they'd be on then actually and maybe stay on for a week or two while they're in Australia mm-hmm. and some parts of northern Australia as well there's a lot of mosquitoes and some it's a very temperate climate and it can you can be exposed to um you could be at risk of hepatitis a or other waterborne illness so um the other thing about southeast asia and um south america and places where people like to tend to go backpacking and have that kind of rough and ready holiday experience which is fabulous and such great education for them um, is the food is it's just be really careful that you can maybe try and drink bottled water rather than another water source make sure your food is cooked and hot um you know I, you know I hope this doesn't take away from the experience of eating a kind of in um little side street kind of vendors and stuff but it, but you have to be careful because you're not used to that kind of food you're going to be exposed to viruses that you're not really able to cope with and um, getting very ill when you're abroad, it causes so much more concern than it mm-hmm. does when you're here. I know someone who was away for a week in that area, came back, was absolutely fine, stepped off the plane in Ireland and was sick for two weeks afterwards. I mean, yeah. there's very little you can do to avoid that because you have to eat, right? But you just need to be, I suppose, as careful as you can you, about it. You just need to be careful, don't you? You know. Now, let's go to Rosemary, who is going to Botswana, planning a trip to Botswana in August and September of this year. And she'd like to know, are there any specific vaccinations required or recommended? So what I would suggest for anybody who has a specific country, look it up. There is the, the advice changes frequently and it changes because you can have, say, malaria will be required in Botswana, but the resistance to different types of malaria treatment might change. So what we would recommend one year might change to it for another year. So it, it has to be current advice and there is um, current advice on WHO and then in, in Tropical Medicine Bureau sites as well. But generally for Botswana and somewhere anywhere in Africa, you're talking about the routine vaccinations, the childhood vaccinations, make sure you're up to date with those. And typhoid, hepatitis A, possibly Botswana, I'm not actually 100% sure, but it, you have to be very, very careful in some areas of, of Africa that 
if they require a yellow fever vaccination, that you have it. It may not be that the is yellow fever is endemic in Botswana, but if it is endemic in another country you might have visited before, they won't allow you in unless you have a vaccination. So that's one of the few things that actually, it's like the old COVID restrictions. They won't let you board the plane unless you have the vaccination. Uh-huh. So you have to get up-to-date information on all Absolutely. of these places. Absolutely. And yellow fever, there's only a specific number of GPs and travel bureau areas that actually do yellow fever vaccination. So if that's on the list, be careful and make sure you look into it fairly early. This one on uh, America. My son is 16, travelling to California in mid-April, spending a couple of weeks at high school there. He's up to date with Irish vaccines, but there are differences between Irish and US immunisation requirements. For example, he has three doses of vaccine for polio. The US requirement is four doses. He's three doses of DTAP vaccine. The US requirement is five doses and so on. So how do they make sure he's covered for the US immunisation requirement? That's interesting. But I, as far as I know, in the US, it is very state dependent and, it, you know, because they they're, they don't actually have a federal system of it. it, it and it, there isn't a requirement that you can't go to school in some states if you haven't got the vaccines. But from the point of view, say the diphtheria tetanus, uh, f- for instance, or the MMR, make sure you get a booster before you go. That's wise to do anyway. And as a teenager, it's a, it's a wise thing to make sure you're up to date and maybe have an extra dose of these routine vaccines and we you know you, you routine travel vac- um childhood vaccines if somebody's traveling anywhere or if they ask us or if somebody has a cut finger you kind of say why not get a booster mm-hmm. so you know a booster every 10 years is a good idea okay. anyway all right but i don't think there'll be any major problems with um the rest of it well we certainly uh, hope not more thank you very much for that great advice again that's dr maura 